The rules of retirement have changed. No longer can most of us rely on Social Security or a single pension to fund our futures. We're living longer, and retirement doesn't just last a handful of years anymore. Instead, you might stay retired for 20 or 30 years, and maybe even more. We need to look at retirement through a new lens, with fresh eyes, with a new approach and plan of attack. Here to answer the call are financial advisors John Texera and Nick McDevitt of PFG Private Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Tampa Bay area. This podcast is Retirement Planning Redefined, and it starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Retirement Planning Redefined. Thanks for tuning into our podcast about investing, finance, and retirement with the guys from PFG Private Wealth and on this episode, and just Nick joining me again, and that's all right. I like talking to Nick. How are you, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. Hanging in there. Hope you had a good week since the last time we talked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is kind of my favorite time of the year from the standpoint of climate in Florida, and you know, <laughs> most people are in a pretty good mood overall, including myself. Well, I tell uh, you what, it's, I don't. You guys having the weird weather we are? It's in the seventies uh, in, yeah, in, in yeah, North Carolina. It's definitely warmer than yeah. I prefer but I know that it's going to kind of cool back down. So, you know, it's still at least not 90 for four months in a row. So <laughs> right. I'll take it. Well, you know, the bad part about the the warmer winters is it doesn't get a chance to kill the bugs. Uh, I'm showing my, my old man age there by that. But it's really true. As I've got every year I get older, it's like, man, we do kind of need a cold snap during the winter to kind of kill off some of the the stuff that uh, is going to haunt us come spring and summer, right? We don't get rid of some of those bugs. It just makes it that much worse. So hopefully another yeah. cold snaps on the way. You must live near the woods. Uh, uh, woods or water, man. Woods or water. That's Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. You'll get it with that. So, All right. Well, let's get into our show this week. As I mentioned last time, we talked about the SECURE Act on our previous podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please do so on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or whatever platform or choice you like. We're all over the place with those. Uh, we talked about the increase to the RMD age limit and also the contributions for IRAs uh, with the new SECURE Act. And the Secure Act, as I mentioned before, for those of you might who just be catching this, that is the uh, most significant piece of legislation uh, the government has passed for uh, our listening audience since really the Pension Protection Act of uh, 06. And the Secure Act is setting uh, every community up for Retirement Enhancement Act. And uh, this was a $1.4 trillion budget piece that they kind of snuck it into at the end of December there last year in 2019. So this week, we're going to talk about a really big component, Nick, and that is the elimination or the altering of what was termed the stretch IRA. And really, a lot of people, this they're saying this is the big negative to this piece of, it's great for the government because this is basically a tax generating, this is a way to create more tax income for the government, but not so great for folks who planned on using this as a generational tool, uh, This is which is primarily what it was done for, to leave wealth to their heirs. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to have a pretty significant ripple effect from the standpoint of people that were planning to leave their IRAs or or maybe, you know, had adjusted the way that they were taking from their investments throughout retirement and mm-hmm. trying to preserve the IRA to pass on. It's going to have a pretty significant impact on that. Plus, it's also going to probably cost some people some money in legal fees as they uh, adapt and adjust their estate plans and legal documents to take these sorts of things into account. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So so what was the stretch or kind of give us a quick overview and then what they've done to alter it? Yeah, so one of the things I always kind of tell people is, you know, from the standpoint of a stretch IRA is that it's it's really kind of a nickname and it's a concept. 
a joke that I would kind of make is if somebody passed away and you inherited funds that were in an IRA and you walk into the bank and you tell the bank teller that you want to stretch IRA, they may look at you cross-eyed. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's not an actual legal name for an account type. So the real kind of legal name for the account type is an IRA BDA or a beneficiary designated IRA. And essentially what happens is if you inherit IRA funds or, you know, you're listed uh, as a beneficiary on an IRA, there are kind of two classifications for how they look at it, or at least that's kind of been the rule up to now where it's either spouse or non-spouse. So the way that it would work is that if you uh, were to inherit an IRA from a spouse, you could either put those funds into your own IRA or you could put it into the inherited, uh, the beneficiary designated IRA. Um, and the rules for withdrawals would kind of, you know, dovetail from there. So um, for a non-spouse, you would also open it uh, as a beneficiary designated IRA, but then the required minimum distributions that would have to be taken from that account would be based upon multiple factors, including your age, uh, the year at which the person passed, whether or not they had started taking distributions already, et cetera, et cetera. So there are some different rules that went on with that. But in theory, you could really stretch that over your entire lifetime by right. only taking the minimum out. And you could also list a beneficiary yourself on the account. And the reason for doing that was to, you know, if it was a larger account for tax purposes, right? Absolutely. Let the yeah. account continue to compound, avoid taking out in a lump sum and having to pay taxes on the entire lump sum amount. Because, you know, just as a reminder for people, when you inherit a traditional IRA or traditional IRA funds, the full account balance has it, taxes are due, federal taxes. And if you live in a state where you pay state income taxes, income taxes are due on that full amount. So that could be a pretty significant uh, kind of, you know, tax bomb depending upon what happened, especially if you made a mistake and how you had to take it out. So really this new provision essentially applies to people that are going to inherit these funds starting on January 1st of 2020 moving forward. It is not a retroactive rule. And essentially what it does is it says that you must deplete that account uh, within 10 years. So from what I've seen so far, correct me if I'm wrong, the rules on how you need to take out distributions within those 10 years are not as strict as they used to be. However, that account needs to be depleted within the 10 years. So right. yeah, you have to take um, the whole, you can do it over, you know, like annually, obviously, but you, at, yep. at the end of 10 years, whatever's left, you got to pull it out and Correct. pay the taxes. But you can defer within those 10 years as well. Yes. Um, but, you know, again, that could create a, a pretty big tax bond depending upon the size of the account. So there's a little bit of a flexibility and a little less accounting or, or paperwork on trying to track those required minimum distributions that would have to come out and the amount on are you doing it correctly? Are you are you calculating it correctly? Or some people, you know, most likely, and we haven't, you know, gotten into it yet with any clients with it being so early in the year. But, you know, my assumption is dependent upon the overall situation, people are going to probably take it out equally over the 10 years or, you know, try to defer and be a little bit strategic with how they take it out dependent upon, you know, maybe there's an impending uh, retirement, you know, so maybe a uh, a husband and wife are 60 years old and they both plan on retiring at 65 and wife's father passes away. 
uh, leaves the money in the inherited IRA. And, you know, our goal is going to be that we're going to take it out post-retirement where the income has come down, try to minimize the taxation, and maybe even let that fill in the income hole that they have between 65 and 70, or even 65 and 72, now that the RMD age for their own accounts is bumped out to 72, and they can let their own account kind of accumulate and grow and defer accordingly. So it'll definitely add another level of strategy and just kind of thinking outside the box a little bit so that we don't have to deal with that. But uh, it's going to be uh, interesting uh, to kind of, you know, adjust and adapt to the new rules. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, for some of those folks listening who think about this now, I I do know there are definitely some uh, exemptions or if you I guess, if you will, if you want to call them that there are definitely some pieces to uh, ponder when it comes to some, some exceptions, I guess, if you will. So obviously, if you're a spouse. Uh, that kind of stays the same. This is really kind of targeting the heir. So like basically if you were leaving this to your kids, uh, but there are also a couple of exceptions there like chronic illness, I think is one. Um, there's a couple others as well. Yeah. Chronic illness is definitely one. The uh, if there's a disability yes. um, mm-hmm. that changes and, and adds a different set of rules and those sorts of kind of deeper details are the things are the aspects of the new legislation that everybody's kind of digging through. Right. And the attorneys are, you know, kind of reading through all the paperwork to make sure that everybody has a really good grasp and understanding of of what those exceptions are and and how those funds can be used. And, you know, attorneys typically do a good job of interpreting the new rules and laws and coming up with new strategies that allow us to you know, work around them a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And that's why it's really important to talk with your advisor about uh, how this may affect you um, if you are, are planning on leaving. And a lot of people do that, you know. So, and some people are saying, Nick, with the way this whole Secure Act is working together, with the increase to the RMD limit at 72, or age of 72, uh, and then with this, a lot of folks, they're kind of looking at it saying it's a tax grab for the government, which, of course, I mean, it's always something. But it's one of those deals where if if you're living longer and you're putting more money and you don't have to take it out and you choose to leave it to your heirs, you know, like these IRAs or whatever, then that's kind of where this is coming from. So that's kind of how the two pieces of the puzzle in some people's minds are working together in order to generate more tax revenue for the government. So it's certainly a piece where you want to talk with your advisor about how you can now be planning more efficiently. Yeah. So, you know, as an example with that, if, you know, just kind of a thinking outside the box and how people may adjust and those sorts of things. Sure. So, you know, if there are substantial funds in the IRA and, you know, it's important to you to try to leave money to your beneficiaries, you know, this this change in the law may kind of push people to look a little bit more at using a tool like, you know, like a permanent life insurance policy where they're going to use, you know, their own distributions that they're taking from their IRA in retirement, apply some of those distributions towards a life insurance policy that is going to pay out tax free after they pass on mm. and avoid, you know, that potential tax bomb that the IRA would leave. Gotcha. So there's different things, you know, the the fun part and we can put that in quotes as far as the fun part, <laughs> but you know, the part that we enjoy the most as far as financial planning and retirement planning etc is that, you know, people are different. There are enough rules, laws, products, strategies etc that there's usually something for everybody. It's just important for us to kind of get to know them, figure out what's most important to them, 
and adapt and adjust the strategies that we recommend so that it fits within their life and what they're trying to do. So, so this is just another change that, you know, we kind of, uh, we take it into account, we adapt, we adjust. Uh, one of the things that we always preface, and this is a really good example of why is, you know, in these classes that we teach, you know, one of the most common questions that people will ask us is, you know, should I contribute money to a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k or a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k? And they start to understand by the end of the class together that, you know, we say it depends for a reason. Things change. The only thing that we know for certain is that things will change. And this is a great example. So we always emphasize building in the, the ability to be flexible and adapt to whatever changes we do have happen to us so that we aren't all in on one certain strategy that we have no control over whether or not it changes. So this is just a perfect example. And you know, it emphasizes even more that it's important to have multiple sources of income in retirement, you know, multiple account types. And that goes for the funds that you're going to use in retirement, as well as the funds that you want to leave in gotcha. retirement. Gotcha. Okay. And yeah, and that's why we kind of preach that on the show that anytime you hear anything, whether it's our podcast, somebody else's, a different show, a radio show, a television show, uh, you may be hearing some information that uh, kind of peaks up your ears there and kind of gets you thinking about something. But before you take any action, you should always check how it's going to affect your specific situation by talking with a qualified professional uh, financial advisor like the team at PFG private wealth john and nick here on the podcast so as always we're going to sign off this week and say really good information uh here on the show if you've got questions about how the stretch ira uh the removal of that or the changes to that are going to affect you or how the secure act in general is going to affect you make sure you talk with your advisor or reach out to john and nick at 813-286-7776 here in the tampa bay area 813-286-7776 7776. You can also find us online and subscribe to the podcast via the website, pfgprivatewealth.com. That's pfgprivatewealth.com. And you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, whatever platform it is that you choose. Nick, my friend, thanks so much for your time this week. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk more, I'm sure, about the other components of the SECURE Act and how it's going to affect things in the weeks to come. Thanks, Mark. Have a good day. You do the same, and we'll see you next time right here on Retirement Planning Redefined. PFG Private Wealth Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. The topics and information discussed during this podcast are not intended to provide tax or legal advice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed insurance agents.